0: And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles, open to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we're beginning our sermon series this week. We've entitled Happily Ever After. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about marriages. We're going to be thinking about marriages. I'm going to be preaching about marriages. We're going to see what the Bible says and we're gonna look at some very practical ways you can improve your marriage. Uh, Now, we don't have to have an advanced degree to understand that a lot of marriages are in turmoil. Uh, We've seen the numbers, we've seen the statistics, we've heard the stories, we know of people in our own lives uh, that are struggling in our marriage. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage, but I want you to understand, even within the church, and by the way, there are lots of marriages within the church that struggle. And so, so if I'm talking to you this morning and you're here struggling or you're at home listening to us uh, in your living room and you're struggling or you're in our overflow area and you're struggling, I want you to understand and I want you to hear this if you don't hear anything else, that it doesn't have to be this way. There is hope for your marriage. You can find joy and you can find peace and you can find fulfillment in Christ In your marriage, your marriage can be strong, you can find joy, it's not easy. Marriages require work. If you think you're going to say, I do, and then just live happily ever after without any work in the future, you're sorely mistaken, because you're going to have to work day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And So we're going to take a look at scripture, we're going to take a look at some very practical ways you can be encouraged and strengthen your marriage and grow in your marriage. Now, there are kind of several levels to this. I'm going to say this up front. I want you to hear me out on this. You're going to get out of this sermon series what you put into it. Okay? So if you show up on Sunday mornings, simply listen to the sermon walk out the door, never think anything else about it, that's fine, that's up to you, you certainly can do that. But if you're looking for more, if I'm talking to you and you're struggling on some level, there's more for you. We've created this series to kind of have levels. And so the first level, really the introductory level, is the sermon series. Every week for the next many weeks, I'm gonna preach through marriage. I hope you can take things from that, be encouraged in that. You say, listen, that's really good, I need a little bit more. What's the second level for me? Level two for you is each week I'm gonna give a homework assignment. Now, some of y'all are getting nervous already. I'm not gonna ask you to turn in any homework next week. We're not gonna have a pop quiz. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up and prove to me you did the homework. This is between you and your spouse and the Lord, but it's gonna be every week an activity that you can do together to increase, to strengthen, to grow your marriage. That's kind of level two. You say, great, the sermon is good, that's level one. Kind of delving a little bit uh, deeper is this idea of homework, assignments, some practical things we can do at home on our own. Level three is you say, listen, we need some more help. Okay, we've listened to the sermons. We've done those uh, at-home activities. We want a, a little more help. We, we need a little more uh, assistance in our marriage. Level three for you is going to be an online marriage assessment. Okay, Here's the way this is going to work. Next week, it's not up yet. Next week, I'll have an online form you can fill out. It's completely confidential. Nobody's going to know about it except the one staff member that's going to meet with you. So you're going to go through this online assessment. You're going to answer a bunch of questions. It's going to spit out about a 15 or 16-page report, and then all of our team has been trained in how to use that report. We'll sit down with you, work through the issues, help you think through things, help you figure out ways you can improve your marriage. And listen, I understand that's a challenge for some people because typically when people go through marriage struggles, it's very personal It's very private. It's not uncommon for somebody to reach out to me and say, listen, Adam, we need you to recommend a marriage counselor, but we need you to recommend a marriage counselor outside of LaGrange because I don't want anybody to see me going. I don't want anybody to know that I'm going through this. I get it. I totally understand it. But let me just encourage you, if you're really struggling in your marriage, if it's really something you want to work on, sometimes you just kind of have to set that aside and be vulnerable, and be willing sometimes to let somebody else in to really help you with your marriage. And so if you sign up for that online survey, uh, you'll hear more information about that. You'll fill that out. You'll sit down with one staff member, work through these issues for a period of weeks, okay? That's level three. Level four, you say, listen, we've done the sermon series. We've done the stuff at home, the homework. We've now done this online assessment. But in the process of going through this with a staff member, we realize there are some significant issues deep seated things that not even a staff member can work through with us. If you find yourself in that place, level four is we have a professional marriage counselor that's willing to meet with you. Okay. That's kind of level four. If you get into level three, we work through and we'll kind of figure that out with you, but we can refer you to somebody that's professionally trained, sit down, help you with your marriage. So you can get as much or as little out of this as you want to. Okay. Okay. I've designed it. We've designed it as a team so you can really work through it. Go as deep as you want to go. The prayer is once we get through this process, your marriage will be strengthened and you'll be encouraged. Now, let me talk to some people that this may not apply to. Anytime you do a series like this, you worry because not everybody's married. And so we don't want to do a series that's not going to apply to everybody. So a few groups... I want to talk to you just initially for a second. If you're in the group like the Rollins, by the way, been married 57 years, you've kind of been there, done that, or maybe you say, listen, we haven't been married quite that long, but our marriage is pretty solid, <clears throat> it's pretty strong, then you need to see this as a tune-up for you. right? You don't drive your car 300,000 miles without ever having the tires checked or the oil changed. Occasionally, there are moments of kind of recalibrating, aligning things in our marriage. If your marriage is good, and strong praise the Lord, but this is just an opportunity for you to be reminded of what the Lord teaches, of what the Bible says, and I pray that through that process you can tweak a couple of things and your marriage can last for decades to come. That's group one. There's the second group. You say, listen, I'm single right now. I'm young. I'm in college or high school or even middle school. I'm pretty young. I haven't been married yet. Or maybe you're divorced and you're not currently married, but you're, you're uh, kind of in this place where you say, listen, I'm not married yet. One day I hope to be married. Listen, this is a sermon series that can be great for you because you can begin to understand and process and figure out what a biblical marriage ought to look like. I'm amazed at how many young couples that I counsel in premarital counseling, that don't have a real good grasp of what a biblical marriage looks like, right? We we go into marriage sometimes with a happily ever after model, and we think we're going to say, I do, and everything's going to be marital bliss from that point forward, right? It's not the case. It's, it's hard. Marriage is a struggle. And so if you're young and not married, or maybe you're divorced and looking to be remarried again, use this opportunity to understand what the Bible teaches so you can prepare your heart and prepare yourself one day when God reveals to you who that person is. Okay, Great opportunity for you to grow in your faith. And then kind of the third category is a person that says, listen, I'm single I'm happy to be single. In fact, as Paul teaches, I might even be called to be single, which is a thing in Scripture, by the way. Praise the Lord for you. You have a great opportunity then. If this series isn't specific to you, then instead of taking time during the week to work on your marriage, why don't you commit to taking time during the week to pray for the marriages that are struggling? you got some extra time on your hands, it's just you, you can kind of schedule your life the way you want to, why don't you set aside some time each week to be intentional and to pray for these marriages that are struggling because there are plenty of them and the more people that can kind of help, the more people that can pray, the better. And so I pray that over the next many weeks that this series speaks to every person here at home in our overflow. I pray that God speaks to you very clearly and uses this to encourage you in your walk, to encourage you in your marriage. Now let's go ahead and jump in this morning. We're going to begin in Genesis chapter 2 because I wanted to really go back to the beginning and understand the plan that God laid out from the foundations of the earth. So Genesis chapter 2 beginning in verse 18. You can follow on the screen or in your Bible. Genesis two eighteen. Then the Lord God said, "It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him." Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all of the livestock and to the birds of the heavens. To the beasts of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs, and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. Verse 23. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Here's the first truth I want you to get out of this text this morning. Number one, marriage was God's plan. Marriage was God's plan from the beginning and watch I want you to see this it's a great gift and there's a process in here where we see we were designed for one another let me just go ahead and tell you and help you understand one of the themes you're going to see throughout this series is that there is absolute hope for your marriage. I don't care where you are in your marriage. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how many bridges you think you've burned at this point. If you don't think there's hope for your marriage, you're mistaken. Because listen to me, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can fix your marriage. And so with with all of your being, and I know sometimes it's a struggle because you find yourself in this kind of desperate place and it's very easy to kind of give up hope. With all of your being, you need to cling to this truth that God has got a plan from the beginning and it's a great gift he's given to us for our enjoyment and for his glory. Now just kind of a a precursor to this, I want to kind of help you understand and and really see where this foundation comes from. I don't have this on the screen, but I'm going to read Genesis chapter one, I'm going to rewind one chapter, because I want you to see what's happening here in the creation. Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our image. This is when he's creating Adam and then eventually Eve. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, watch this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, here's what I want you to get we were created in the image of God, we were created with worth, our life is important and valuable, we matter. So you need to think about the idea of creation, right? God created all sorts of glorious things, sunsets and and the, the stars and the moon and the animals and the oceans and the mountains and all sorts of beautiful, incredible, good things. But at the pinnacle of that, at the top of that is the prized possession, right? That's us, We are created in God's image. So just a side note here, as you're speaking to your spouse, sometimes in anger, sometimes in bitterness, sometimes in frustration, remember, you're speaking to someone that's created in the image of God. And maybe that helps you reframe the discussion just a little bit. Maybe that helps you be reminded and maybe grounded in the truth of God's word. Your spouse is created in the image of God, just like you're Now watch. This matters because our relationships are designed, especially marriage, to display the glory of God. That's what our marriage is designed for. Like so many young people think about marriage, and they think about I'm going into this marriage uh, to have companionship, to be fulfilled, uh, to find pleasure. All those things are real and true, and part of marriage. But the ultimate design for marriage, as with every other part of the Christian walk, is for you to display the glory of God in the way that you interact, the way that you love, the way that you you live with one another. You should spend some time, and I'll talk about this in some sermons to come, but but, uh, at Ephesians chapter five, verse 22 through 33, I think. And every time I do premarital counseling, I always start here. Ephesians five, 22 through 33, kind of lays out the plan and kind of the responsibilities of the husband and the wife. But one of the things we see within that passage of scripture is that we're designed to live within marriage in order to display the goodness and the glory and the holiness of the Lord. And so we need to kind of come to marriage with this foundational understanding that we're created in his image, We're created and brought together in order to bring him glory. And we do it because it's God's idea, it's God's plan, it's within his purpose. And so what we see is that when Eve is created, it's not this random event. God has purpose here. Look at verse 22 again in Genesis chapter 2. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed it in his place. And the rib the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Right? This was planned, it was designed. She was created as a perfect companion for Adam. And so we we need to understand within the confines of marriage. And I'm not saying marriage isn't a a struggle. I'm not saying sometimes it's not difficult. But you need to remember at at the foundation of everything, God created you both. He created you both within His image. He's placed you into this relationship ultimately to bring Him glory. He designed it for that purpose. It wasn't an accident, it wasn't some random event. Right? You've got this great privilege and responsibility within your marriage to glorify the Lord and all the things you do. That means how you live, how you think, how you act, how you respond to your spouse, how you speak. All those things display the glory of the Lord. This was God's plan. This was God's purpose. From the beginning, this was God's idea. Now I want you to notice how Adam responds In verse 23, right? So God has created Adam, he's created Eve. There's purpose, there's plan, there's design. Look at how Adam responds in Genesis chapter two, verse 23. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Here's truth number two. Marriage can bring great joy right we're created in god's image god has a plan god has a purpose we need to be reminded that marriage can bring great joy we need to celebrate what the lord has given us in our spouse now I want you to see this in verse 23 so pull up genesis 2:23 if you would for me I want you to notice the response of the man guys then this is god has created He's put Adam to sleep, pulled out the rib, created Eve, brought Eve to Adam. And the first time he sees her, then the man says, look what he says, this at last... Is bone to my bone, flesh to my flesh, right? This is amazing, God. Notice what he doesn't say. Lord, she's going to nag me a lot. I'm not sure I can deal with this. I'm not sure I can handle it. I sure would like to go hunting, but she'd like to sit and talk. I don't think I've got the time to do or deal. I don't think my emotional capacity. He doesn't say any of that. He sees her and realizes she's been created perfectly for him. And he says, this at last, of all the things that God created, Of all the beauty and the glory and the sunsets and the animals, of all creation that God created, Adam looks at his wife and he says, this at last, Lord, you've found her, you've brought her to me, you've created her for me, and I'm going to enjoy this, right? I'm going to find joy in this. Marriage can bring us joy when we celebrate and understand God created our spouse perfectly for us. I'll never forget when I asked Amy to marry me. We've been married 23 years now. And we worked at Rockridge and many of you have been to Rock. How many have been to Rockridge? Just out of curiosity, raise your hand. Man, I missed Rockridge this year. I look forward every year to Rockridge and COVID as it did with everything else kind of set that aside. We're hoping to be back next year. I love Rockridge. I have the opportunity to work there when I was in college and Amy and I worked there one summer together. And we got to know each other, didn't date. Uh, she had a boyfriend. Uh, you know, that I wasn't too happy about during that summer, but whatever. It worked out okay in the end, right? So she was dating this other guy. We got to know each other though, and really kind of connected. And then later on, we kind of dated. And so when I decided to ask her to marry me, I wanted to do it up on the mountain at Rockridge. And I told this story before some of you heard it. And I'm, uh, you know, I thought I was a lot slicker than I really was, guys. Like, praise the Lord, back then, the proposal wasn't the big deal that it is now, I mean, now it seems like you've got to have a cameraman hidden. Your family's got to be hidden. Everything's got to be lined up. Just, I mean, I could barely get the ring in my pocket and up the mountain, right? That's how I, I scared I was. And so she knew something was up because it was springtime. And I had on this big jacket, which I, I'm a hot-natured anyway. She already knew something was up. The ring was hidden, right? And we laughed about it later because she kind of knew it was coming. But we sat down on top of that mountain together. And I just wanted to be kind of intentional in what I did with her and what I said to her. And I thought through it and rehearsed through it. And one of the things I did for her is I read her some verses of scripture. Some that God had given me specifically over the last couple years in our relationship that the Lord had really spoken to me through. And one of them I read to him was verse 18. Of, one of the things I read to her was verse 18 of Genesis 2. The Lord said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so I read her that verse, and I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. And when she did, I can remember just kind of screaming out across that valley in excitement. I was one happy man, and I'm still one happy man, by the way, 23 years later. Sometimes their struggles is not always perfect, but I was happy and I'm still happy. Now listen, I want you to hear this. This is, this is important. If you're struggling in your marriage right now, whatever that may look like, if you're struggling in your marriage, you need to remember there was a time when you were happy and joyful for the person that God had given you. You may be struggling now, you may have problems, but there was a time when you found great joy. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Right? Life is hard. We get married and we're excited and everything's good and we're communicating and we're lovey dovey and everything's perfect, and then life hits. Right? And their bills and their responsibilities and their heartbreaks and their failures and their successes. And then kids come along and there's schedules and there's school and there's sports. And there's a thousand things like a mountain sometimes that kind of crashes down upon us. And if we're not careful, all that stuff will bury us in this place of, of despair and uncertainty and fear. And there's this, this, this mountain sometimes of debris. We need to be reminded sometimes that there's a place. Sometimes it's way below all the clutter. But there's a place within your being where you fell in love with your wife or you fell in love with your husband. And sometimes in the midst of chaos and and turmoil and struggles within the marriage, sometimes we need to remember that and fight to keep those memories alive and fight sometimes even to get back to that place. We need to remember exactly what God has done and how he's created and how this is his idea. And we absolutely can find hope and joy within a marriage, right? So we see that it's God's plan. It's his purpose. We're created in his image. We're created for one another. And then through that process, there absolutely can be joy. There can be hope. And I want you to notice now what happens, verse Verse 24, Genesis 2, 24. Look at how it begins. Look at the first word of, of verse 24. Therefore, right? Because of what God's done, because of his plan, because of how he's shown Adam, Eve, how he's put them together. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. Here's truth number three. Marriage brings intimacy and oneness. Marriage brings intimacy and oneness. And listen, a lot of times one of the things that struggles in a marriage that's going through hard times is intimacy and oneness. Sometimes we miss that. But it's real easy when we're first married, right? Nobody has to worry about this. We get it. It's easy. It's hard to be separated a lot of times when we're first married. We always want to be together emotionally, physically, spiritually, we're together. But as the weight of the world kind of comes upon us and year turns into year, sometimes we're separated a little bit more. And intimacy and oneness become a struggle. Now, I'm gonna spend a lot of time in, in a sermon talking more about this. This is down the road. But I want you to understand, this is something God has given us. It's a gift to us. We need to understand it within our lives. Matthew, Henry, Who's a famous scholar said this, speaking about taking Eve from the, from the rib of Adam? said, She was not made out of his head to top him, not made out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. I think that's a great way of saying it. I, I love what Cecilia and Ollie said in their video. I think they said 57 years. And one of the things she said, and I love this, and I've said this before, she said one of the best gifts you can give your children is a strong marriage. Right? If you want to think about how to bless your children, mom, dad, it's not the stuff you buy them, it's not the places you take them, it's not even all the experiences you have, although those things really do matter and there's a place for those things. But I'm telling you, the greatest single gift you can give your children is a strong marriage. They need to know that mom and dad love each other, that they're in it for the long haul. That's what they need. That gives them stability and hope and a sense of belonging to a family that's going to matter, that's going to endure. And I love how she said that. I think sometimes we miss that teaching. right? I have this firm belief that the marriage, the stronger the marriage, the stronger the family and when the marriage struggles, the family struggles. I would kind of fast forward and even move that to the idea of society. I think strong families mean strong society. I think when families struggle, society struggles. And I think there's all sorts of data especially back in the 50s and 60s, and you kind of look at how many people were married, and you kind of watch the trends about how divorce now seems to be rampant, how more and more children are born into homes of single parents, and you kind of follow that data and begin to realize that's where society crumbles when the home is not strong, when mom and dad are not united, they're not growing together, they're not living up to all that the Lord has called them to live up to. And we need to be reminded of this teaching. A man leaves his father and his mother. It doesn't mean we would never see him again. It just means we've kind of created our own family now. We'll hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Right, marriage is about deep commitment. Marriage is about deep intimacy. Now, we've seen a, a pretty clear picture, I think, in Genesis 2 of God's plan, of God's design, of the joy it brought to Adam and Eve, the joy it can bring to us of the intimacy, of the closeness, of the oneness. For some of you, you're kind of living this. For others, it seems like a distant dream, but there's absolute hope in your marriage. There's absolute hope in your life through Christ. Now, I want to kind of finish this morning with some practical stuff, right? This is kind of level two. We've seen the sermon. We've seen what the Bible teaches. Level two for you to now some homework, some practical stuff. Again, you can do as much or as little of this as you want to, but if you really want your marriage to grow and strength, and I would highly encourage you to do this. So go ahead and put up the homework page, if you would, please, again. No pressure. Nobody's going to check you next week. There's not going to be a grade. Here's the homework. This is low-hanging fruit, by the way. This is pretty easy. I want you to go on a date this week, just the two of you. Now, if you've got kids like me, man, that's difficult. You're like, oh, Adam, if you only knew my schedule. I get it. Like If you're waiting for the moment where both people are free with nothing else to do to go on today, you may be waiting until Jesus comes back because that just doesn't happen anymore. So what you need to do is you need to be intentional. right? Just like you don't miss meetings at work, you shouldn't miss this meeting. Schedule it. Don't be afraid to put it on your calendar. Sit down with your wife or your husband. Look at your calendar. Think through a time that's going to work. Put it on the calendar and then honor it. Right? Don't let something else come up. Don't decide you'd rather do something else. Figure out a time, go on a date. Just the two of you, right? There are great opportunities for family stuff. That's incredibly important, but this is just the two of you. You're going to go on a date, go out to eat, dinner, whatever you like, favorite restaurant, whatever you want to do, go to a place you can just spend some time together just to get a babysitter. If your kids are old enough to stay at home on their own, that's great. Find a time, just the two of you go to the next bullet point here. On this date, here's what we want you to do. Think about fun times you've had together. If you're struggling, the tendency is, man, let's solve this problem. I wasn't really happy about something you said last week or the way you responded. No, 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 we don't need any of that on this date. There's a time and a place for that, I promise, not here. This is a night for you guys to remember the joy either you have now or that you once had. We want to rekindle that. There was a moment where you fell in love. There was a moment where everything was roses, right? There was a moment where everything was perfect, marital bliss. We want you to go back and try to remember those times together. Go to the next little bullet point there. We want you to laugh to reminisce, to remember. This is not a night to fix all your problems. This isn't a night to get into the great detail of something you're dealing with. This isn't a night to talk about administrative stuff like, well, are you going to pick the kids up next week? Are they going to soccer practice? We don't need to do any of that. There's a time and place for that. Just talk to one another. Like I can remember when Amy and I were dating, we used to talk on the phone for hours, hours. And she worked at the library at uh, Auburn. And so she would get off work at midnight, which is one o'clock in the morning here. And we had a, we had a sign. This is, this is legit. We did this for a long time. She would, at one o'clock in the morning now, she would call my house and let the phone ring one time and hang up. And when I heard the phone ring at one o'clock in the morning one time, that wasn't enough to wake anybody up. I knew it was her and I would call her and for the next hour or two we'd talk. We remember those times, don't we? Right? I get it. It's harder now for us to talk two or three hours every day. We just don't have time to do that. But let's rekindle some of that. Let's start somewhere. Just go to dinner, have a fun time, talk about fun memories, laugh, reminisce, remember together. Remember, this is God's plan for you. This is God's idea. Right? There is hope in marriage. It can be great. You can find joy. You can be fulfilled. And when you do that, when you trust the Lord, when you put him first, when you try to live out his commandments, His taught in scripture in your life, when you bring him glory, I promise you, with his help, you can live happily ever after. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for this teaching It's very clear and understandable, Father. I pray for the marriages right now of the people of this church. Father, in person, at home, in our overflow. Lord, we know that there are struggles sometimes in marriages, even in Christian marriages. And so, Father, I pray right now that you would just open their eyes to your truth, give them hope and peace. Let them sense your presence, Father. Let them know there is a possible uh, chance for them, even as difficult as it may seem, for reconciliation, Father, for love again only through your grace, and we're praying that right now for these marriages. Strengthen us, encourage us, let us serve you. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.